0: Whatever y'all did on the back-to-back in L.A., don't do it tonight. That team wasn't better than us. Be ready. It's easy. What you mean?
1: I kind of had it going.
0: Give me a chance to be great. I want to be great.
1: Some people call those winning characteristics. A group of hungry individuals. It ain't sweet. Like, he can do everything. He's just nice. You trying to put the league on notice?
0: because we
1: got more to do so welcome to the wolves watch podcast i am dan radke and i am joined as always by my co-host ricky jim bruno rick how are
0: you yes hey huh
1: yeah man it is uh it's thursday september 22nd the league has been pretty dead from a news perspective uh these are stories that we are likely not going to talk much about on this uh this episode of our show but uh Bogdanovich gets traded from Utah to the Pistons.
0: Definitely. Hey, that's what the people want. The people want the breakdown.
1: Ben Simmons was on JJ's old man in the three pod. Ime Udoka has a pending season-long suspension uh, due to an extramarital affair. And Sarver is allegedly selling the Suns and has put them on the market. So Uh what a wild week.
0: It's a wild week. I would say if you're looking for thoughts from Dan and I, about either the email situation or the Phoenix sun situation. All you have to do is be friends or family with either one of us and talk to us about it. When the microphone is not turned on.
1: Correct. Correct. My thoughts. <laughs> that's will stay That's all you got to do.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. My thoughts are going to stay off of this podcast. I think that's probably safer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, busy, busy day. Um, oh, but so for anybody, yeah, it's just, it's, it's all, it's all very crazy. But uh but to get on to a more important business, at least for us, so we are back to do another divisional win totals breakdown tonight. It is, like I mentioned, Thursday the 22nd, and uh, we are headed back to the Western Conference. We are covering the Pacific Division, and I think Rick did a nice job on the last episode of pretty eloquently putting um, how similar this division is to the division that we covered on last week's podcast, which was the Eastern Conference version of this Uh, This this division, which was the Atlantic. So just like I have on every episode before, Rick, broad before we get into individual teams, kind of broad strokes, thoughts on this division, uh, things that you thought about when you're doing the prep work team by team. What kind of comes to mind with the Pacific?
0: And five teams, once again, that are all in. This is a division that has zero tankers and uh, it's it's just wins are going to be tough to come by. You have. The Golden State Warriors in this division, you have LeBron James and the Lakers in this division. The Clippers maybe have the best team top to bottom in the entire league. The Phoenix Suns have won more games than any other team in the Western Conference the last two seasons, and also the Sacramento Kings.
1: Yeah, I like how you throw them right there at the end. Um, yeah, no, it's... it's. Uh... I
0: will say, hold on, before... I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit of a... Look, the Kings' jokes are easy especially because they roped me in a couple of years ago and a real fool me once fool me twice type of situation but I will say I'm going to I'll just go ahead and spoil it for you right now Dan because they're not they're going to be coming up a little later in the alphabetical order last um I'm over on the on the kings I think they have a low number so that's a little tease for later on in the pod
1: Yeah you and I famously have two teams specifically, one in each conference, uh, very different ends of the spectrum that we constantly get fooled by. Uh, The Sacramento Kings are our Western Conference team. We constantly get sucked into what the Kings are up to, their off-season moves, you know, what their projection looks like going into the season, what their team is on paper. And uh, Philly in the East is the other team. Philly's obviously much better. They're a playoff team perennially, so it's a different kind of conversation. But same type of thing. You mentioned last week you have them as your... uh, your Eastern Conference rep in the finals. You might've even said you have them winning the finals.
0: Um, hey, hey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not what we're going to say about the Kings, but it's the same kind of, you know, pull the rug out every season uh, from under my feet. Cause I well, can't oh, help myself.
0: Yeah. Let me explain a little bit of why I developed an affinity for the Kings. Um, I'm really referring to the season when they had Dave Yeager as their coach, who then they promptly fired after having a pretty successful season Uh, Which is, I was working a lot of late nights at that time, um, you know, in the, really the fall of last decade, and so the teams that I were able to watch were these Pacific teams, honestly, like pretty much every team in this division, and because of, you know, the the way that Dan and I are kind of sickos about these bad teams, I just watch the Kings a lot. (laughs) Uh, they just were always, uh, you know, I'd get home from work. Maybe it'd be like the third quarter of a Kings game and I'd just settle in. And I, I really, uh, kind of fell for the Fox buddy healed core at that time. And, you know, we all know what's happened since. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a big learning experience that was in our, you know, the lost episodes of the tough watch. Um, where I may or may not have predicted them to win 50 games, but that's not important anymore. Uh, (laughs) The
1: past is the past.
0: (laughs) The past is the past, and I'd appreciate it if we could move on. I'd appreciate it if you could judge me by my action sense. Um, uh, Yeah, why don't we get popping, though, Dan? We'll go alphabetical again. And uh, the first team in this division is the best team in all of basketball for the better part of the last decade. That's the Golden State Warriors. Their number for this season is fifty-one and a half. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Warriors? So
1: the Warriors are um I mean they're a fascinating team uh for a couple of different reasons. So anytime a team is coming into a season defending a title, there's gonna be a lot of interest in that team. Um This team specifically, and we've talked about this throughout all of last season, they also have two sides of this team. And they have the veteran core that largely was responsible for them winning the title um, with an inclusion of Andrew Wiggins, who's a veteran player. And then they have this other side of the team, which contains James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole, Moses Moody. So they're on two separate timelines, which Rick, if you've ever listened to us speak on the topic, Rick talks about this all the time, is... The rare team that is kind of dipping their toes in both water, uh, both sets of water, where they have an, a veteran core that they're relying on, um, to, you know, to win them most of their games, but also not wanting to ignore the development of some of the younger players that they've taken through the draft. And so this season, that fifty-one and a half number is is really interesting, and I kind of want to just get your thoughts on this because this was a team last year that you know they finished with fifty-three wins last year, and they were a three seed and Mm -hmm. so i think the numbers
0: like absolute gangbusters also
1: yeah and i think the number is fair what's interesting about the number is what do you think and we talk about this all the time like i have i've debated with these teams the west is so good both conferences i think are so good now the league and and is just so talented that i feel like traditionally teams that don't have a lot of motivation to win a bunch of regular season games, i.e. LeBron teams historically for a very long time. Yep. That was because you could sleepwalk through a third of the league traditionally yep. because That's the, the league was that, that weak. And now the talent is so deep that I wonder, do you believe the Warriors are going to be demotivated when it comes to the regular season just to retain the health uh, and the longevity of their players for a deep potential run? Or do you think they're going to be forced to, like I believe, a lot of these teams are going to be to kind of play harder and play more minutes to these guys than they probably would have historically wanted to.
0: Well, I think the minutes thing with them because they're pretty inflexible about that in terms of just like they play their stars less than than most teams do that are that are star heavy, but. I don't think they're going to have a motivation problem because they've been they've they this is not their first rodeo. You know what I mean? Like they've been they've been dealing with this exact set of circumstances, which is the best set of circumstances you can have uh, for the last eight years now, basically. And this, I love that you brought it up the way that you brought it up with their two groups because this season, it's either this season or next season. But these next two years are going to be my favorite years. For this Golden State experiment, because this we're we're at the inner intersection currently. Um, I think you could reasonably say last year it was still all about the the older guys. You got a little bit of Jordan Pool in there, no, not even a little bit. He got a lot of bit of Jordan Poole in there, but still very spot minutes for the rookies, Kaminga and Moody. Obviously, James Wiseman famously missed the entire season uh, this year. They they did their additions are really just you know internal development from those guys plus Dante Divincenzo and notably they chose uh, uh, Gary Payton the second they chose not to retain Otto Porter uh, be a lead either retired or gone back to Europe maybe both the point is is they this the front office has made the decision that this year we are clearing the path for these young guys to play and they all i think you know steve kerr was saying today that they have the six it's like their starters plus jordan pool and then it's wide open after that you gotta imagine the first crack at those other rotation spots will be moody kaminga and james wiseman and so i think that makes it's interesting because usually when you have a team that's accomplished as much as them there's not a lot of intrigue it's like you were saying with those LeBron teams it's like wake me up in June but this Warriors team by virtue of the way that they've built their roster in what is an attempt to be a sustainable franchise has made it so there's a lot to play for this season and that's to say nothing of the fact and that we're it's contract time for Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole so there's there's, They got a lot of stuff going on for for being a veteran defending champion.
1: Yeah, one of the motivations if they want to retain a little bit of leverage when it comes to those contract talks is they could really use a big season from Kaminga, Wiseman, uh, even a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, who I think was an under-the-radar pickup, um, who is going to be great, I don't doubt, in Golden State if he can stay on the floor. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're just one of those, they're one of those rare teams that I'm going to be fascinated to watch, whether it be in October or January or May, there's just a lot of development that's going to happen with these guys. We need to figure out where these guys are going to play, what type of role they're going to have within the team, what types of rotations he'll run when he has, you know, multiple of these young players on the floor simultaneously and the Jordan pool thing. It is awkward because Jordan Poole is going to want to ball the fuck out to make sure he, yep. he secures that bag. And so, I you know, there's... I
0: find it incredibly unlikely that they will get an extension done before the season.
1: Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked, to be honest with you, because I don't even oh. think the team is as motivated uh, to do that at this
0: point. Um, no, and I think Jordan Poole probably reasonably thinks that there's a path to getting a max deal. Um, and that path does not exist on the Warriors, short of them. You know, saying like, all right, well, you know, Clay, we love (laughs) you, but it's just, it's not going to happen. So I, I, unless Jordan Poole is willing to take a significant discount here in extension season, which, you know, everybody has their own motivations. um, It seems unlikely. So that could be a distraction to your point.
1: Yeah, it's Tyler Hero West, where both yeah. these teams have a guy that is a good six-man that can average 20 and get buckets, but neither team seems desperate to give them an extension. I
0: well, um, Jordan Poole really struggled to be on the floor in the finals.
1: He has a lot of confidence in his game, but you're absolutely right. When, when, things, got, when things got tight down the stretch of that playoff run for them, Jordan Poole in in his current state, in that state, he was not able to be a contributing player on a team that wanted to win a title. Um, he just yeah, he couldn't we'll, be on the floor.
0: Yeah, and we'll we'll move off fool because he is the one that has proven the most. And obviously, like I said, Steve Kerr said today that he is, you know, he's written in ink in the rotation and declined to say the same for the, the other young guys. Yeah. Um, but however, today was, you know, this is obviously buried behind some other more salacious news uh today was yet another chapter in the hyping up of James Wiseman which you may or may not have seen but lots of talk lots of talk about how good he's looking which look I get it I mean I'm sure if you see the guy in a one-on-zero setting I mean he probably looks unbelievable um and and I have I still do have some hopes for him now that expectations have have dropped probably too low um where are you at on these guys because I think we. I don't think we need to spend too much time on Kaminga because we did talk about Kaminga in our, uh, in our best prospects podcast. Yeah, we, we did. did not. We did not include Moody or obviously James Wiseman there. Uh, where where are you at on those guys?
1: Um, James Wiseman. Uh, just like anybody's opinion of James Wiseman right now should be an incomplete. Uh, the guy hasn't played. So, but he was. I mean, he was obviously a top prospect coming out of high school. He was a top prospect coming out of college. There's no reason to believe that when he gets on the floor, especially with a team like the Warriors, who has a track record of good player development, that he's not going to be a productive player. Um, I have pretty high hopes for him. Moody is actually a guy that I think could be not even sneaky. I just outright believe that given his game, he's more defensive-minded than Jordan Poole. I think he is going to get every
0: opportunity. Big guy for for a young dude.
1: Yeah, he's a big guy, and I think he to me is and this is part of the reason why I think as the season progresses it'll become even less likely and we already believe it not to be very likely that Jordan Poole gets extended but I think it becomes less likely if Moses Moody goes from shooting 36 percent from three up to 38 39 the guy has a heavier minutes load he's a good defensive addition he's six, and and like you said he's just big and rangy I just think he's like the natural Thank you for all you did, Jordan Poole. Go get your bag somewhere else. Moses Moody, here you go. you got your role, um, which is why I think he's going to have a much bigger role on this team this year. But I'm very high on Moses Moody. I think he's a good player.
0: You know, they they have those three guys and then the four with Poole. Really, really sneaky under the radar signings. Uh, getting Dante DiVincenzo cheap. Getting Jermichael Green cheap. So they did also, you know, kind of replenish their journeyman part of their rotation. And I think it's it's very easy to imagine both of those guys fitting in very well with the team. They drafted Patrick Baldwin, who had honestly one of the worst, you know, kind of hyped up freshman seasons of of really anybody in this one-and-done era. But the Warriors are one of those teams, though, that when they draft someone, it raises an eyebrow. So, like, you go – Well, I certainly was not super high on Patrick Baldwin at the draft, but then when the Warriors draft him, you go, oh, okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly right.
1: Um, I think, you know, and and if you have any further thoughts on the Warriors, I'd love to hear them. I just think.
0: One last thing with them, Dan, before we get to the win total is, do you feel any, if you're them, do you feel any temptation at all to package some of those young guys together with Andrew Wiggins or with Clay Thompson and try to get a big fish?
1: Uh, you'd have to tell me who the fish is. Um, it, to me, it would have to be the perfect fit with what they would have left after the trade. So I'm not, you know, it's not that I'm not open to it. I think I would probably take the stance that the warriors would take where it's like, no, we like our team. You would have to really, you'd have to tell us somebody is available for that package that today I don't see as available. So if that changes, I would be open to the idea. I think honestly, if I were them, I would stand pat. You won the title Absolutely. with this team. It's not to say you're going to win it a second time. It's damn difficult, and the conference got better. But you're definitely in contention for it again. And I just... And maybe I'm higher than some. I just really like their young core guys that they have behind this, this veteran-laden starting five. So I actually believe that they're going to be even slightly better than they were last season.
0: Well, I, think cool. I mean, you have an iconic franchise. And so your job at this point is to just not fuck it up if you are a decision maker for the team and just stand back and let them be great and let your fans enjoy the end of the run here with uh, Steph, Clay, and Dre. And then, you know, it seems like they are going to be able to have their cake and eat it too with these young guys. Obviously, one of them needs to, well, multiple of them need to become like real legit blue chippers, which is to be seen. But, you know, they're... They, once again, last year established themselves as, you know, the standard bearer in the NBA in really every every way. And so, yeah, I mean, coming into the year, hard to imagine them, you know, not being one of the heavy favorites to win. I personally had them pretty far over their number um, at 55. I think this one is kind of easy. I think the team actually has – a lot of depth like we talked about with those young guys it's unproven so you do need to have a little bit of faith there but I think the talent level is really good they've never really been the type of team that when their guys are healthy uh, that they dog games so I'm not really too worried about that and and furthermore I just don't think it's really all that high of a number and if they're if they even have the type of health problems they have last year I mean I could see them winning 53 again which would be an over Yeah,
1: I've got them over two. I have them just clearing the 51 and a half at 52. um, And that was really just to give give some wins to some other teams. I came in just over two because I think, depending on how the season shakes out for the Warriors, there are going to be times during the season where they, it could be that they're just outright sitting Steph or sitting Clay, or they're in a game where maybe the second unit was the team that gave them juice and got them back in the game. And they just want to see with two minutes left in the game, how those guys handle it. I just think there's going to be opportunities for them to lose games that aren't going to be their fault. I think it'll be kind of not a designed loss, but an experiment that resulted in a loss. So I don't think they're going to like blow it out of the water. I don't think they're like some 58 or 60 win team by any means.
0: But uh, that doesn't reflect on how you feel about them as, you know, like a championship contender though, right?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Because they, they should, they should experiment during the season. You and I would agree. Like, you know what you have with the five that won you the title last year. You know exactly what that looks like. You probably want, I mean, before the playoffs start, you need to get a little experimental with your rotations and figure out what some of these things look like. That's what the regular season is for when you're a team that believes you can win a title. (laughs)
0: Let's move on to another team that is absolutely in the same type of range. Um, And it seems like maybe we're a little flip-flopped on who we think is going to be doing what. But that's the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, Zach Lowe has been referring to the Nets as the best theoretical team of all time, the best on paper team of all time. I I, I disagree. This, This upcoming Los Angeles Clippers team is the best theoretical team of all time. And I'm praying, I am praying that they will go from theoretical to the real deal three dimensional team and we'll get to see this absolutely stacked team play this year.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen it yet. And you and I have been craving it now for quite some time. four,
0: um, oh, 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 man. Think about that. That 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 honestly makes you in even more in awe of LeBron, that LeBron got all that work done in Miami and in Cleveland in four-year stints. And we're here for both the Nets and the Clippers in a year four of their super teams. And we're like, yeah, hopefully we get it off the ground this year.
1: Yeah, and it's it, the unfortunate thing with the Clippers is it the conversation and I you and I try and steer clear of this conversation as much as we can, you know, the injury concerns of a team because it's anybody can get hurt on any play. So I mean, it just is what it is. This team specifically, I you know, it's it was hard for me when I did the over under because you have to bet that this team plays for 82 games because that's the only way to do it. And so I just played played by number like I believed all these guys were going to be available for the bulk of the season and get to play minutes together. And if they do, they've built one of the more modern versions of an NBA basketball team. They're so long and so big in a non-traditional way. Uh, they don't have a loaded front court, but they have so many guys that stand between 6'6 six, six and 6'9, six, are long as hell, and they can play make and create from like three or four positions at one time, Uh, it's just kind of a wild team construction. And then you and I, I mean, we could quibble about who technically is our, like, number one, if we're going to rate the coaches in the league number one. But Ty Lue is right there. Like, if he's not one, he's he's 1A, 1B, whatever it is. So, like, you and I believe in the organization and how they built the roster. We have a strong belief in the head coach. And the only reason that this team hasn't done anything yet is they've been hurt.
0: That's it. Yeah, and it really makes you wonder about, like, is there just some bad voodoo with this team? Because they, they, you, you laid it out right. They have it all. You know, they have. I think they. I don't know how you could really say they don't have the best owner because they have the owner that's willing to spend the most money. You know, um, they have the best owner. Their front office has been spectacular. Um, their coach, as we said, Ty Lu. Yeah, if he's not the best, he's he's in a, a top tier he's tied for best with whoever else you'd want to put up there. And their roster, they have the deepest roster in the league of guys that are ready to play right now. And last time we checked, Kawhi Leonard was in that in the same thing you were going we said about Ty Lu as far as players go in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, all right, he's not the best, but if he's not the best, he's in that same group. And so they have everything. Everything you could possibly want to be uh, a championship level franchise, and yeah, the question is just going to be what's the health of the team like? Um, because it's, it's, there's just really not a lot to say. I mean, the, I mean, Dan, they got they just added Norm Powell and Robert Covington to their team for absolutely nothing at the Correct. trade deadline. We were already talking about how loaded this team was. And then they went out and got two starter quality players to just pad the back end of their bench.
1: Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, I'll say this too, for anybody with a working heart, the John wall media tour over the course of the last like nine to 12 months should make you want to root like hell for the guy to finally get to play basketball again, especially on a team as loaded as this one is. I, you know, in my mind, and I could be proven to be wrong but in my mind when you throw a guy like John Wall on this team my expectations for him are not to be obviously the wizards John Wall that that people remember but he's about the perfect type of addition given what he given what he's gone through his motivation is to truly play basketball John Wall's motivation has gone far past the idea of making sure to secure that next big contract and he's spent so much time not playing basketball being stuck like he was in Houston unable to even participate really with the team in a meaningful way. I feel like he's going to come in humble and be a good veteran addition to a team that already has a bunch of really good veterans and he was also like a needed addition at a good at this position cuz again Reggie Jackson as much as you and I like him like point guard depth was a real concern for this team. Yeah,
0: that is a weak spot. That's their one weak spot is because they have so much playmaking all over the floor, they neglected the point guard spot. Um, And I think, I I think they could have won the championship still with that team. Um, So to be able to improve on that is huge.
1: And point guards are a dime a dozen. I mean, if you need a guy that if you need a guy to just be a backup point guard for you, it's not difficult to find that guy. It is hella difficult to find this many starter quality or all-star quality wings that can create. Um, It's wild. And, and to be fair, This is also, like, the Clippers, the reason I'm going to enjoy them selfishly just watching them play basketball is you and I have always been a much bigger fan of teams that can at least competently play both ends of the floor. I don't want to see a defense-only team that can't put the fucking ball in the hole, and I don't want to watch a team that scores 135, a la last year's Charlotte Hornets, but can't stop anybody from doing anything. And the Clippers are one of those teams that they're going to be dogged defensive players because they've just recruited a bunch of guys that give a shit on that end of the floor. Coupled with the fact they're tough as nails and they have playmaking everywhere, so defending this team is a nightmare. You and I, over over our years watching basketball, have seen this with opposing teams and have seen it to our own hometown Timberwolves. Like, take a guy like Marcus Morris; the dude can create and get buckets. Like the dude oh, just oh, can, and he's he can, an afterthought. He can get buckets.
0: Oh, absolutely. He's a he's been one of the more underrated players in the league for a number of years. For, yeah, for what he him and his brother for. He, the dude's a baller, man. And they got. That's the thing about this team is, they, they. It's a bunch of grown ass men on their team. Like this is not. This is a pretty no bullshit group, and they just they, they've got everything at every position. And you just look at it, and to me, this is probably the first team we've done that you look at them, and I go, I comfortably say this is top five, top five offense and defense. Um, With this group, and if it's not during the regular season, when we get down to it, it will be. You know, like when it really matters, they'll play at that level. And so, to me, but now this is an exercise about the regular season. Like this is a team that, like, they will and should uh, be very judicious with their resting for their guys. We also do know though that that you know they were still, you know, pretty comfortably. The eighth seed last season, even with just playing the dogs they had and very little Paul George, no Kawhi at all. So that's what makes this number kind of difficult, because my inclination is like, well, you know, their stars are maybe going to play 50, 60 games. They got to keep them healthy for the playoffs, what that's going to mean. But this team still is really good, even without them. Um, This to me, they're they're the Western Conference favorites, but I'm having a tough time with the number.
1: 52 and a half is, is, is really difficult um, because I think it's right on. I basically think this team is going to shuffle somewhere between 51 and 54. Um, it's, you know, and the thing is with them last year, you know, getting to 42 and 40 given the, the rotations that they were running is such a credit to Ty Lue uh, because that team, I mean, under the wrong hands, if you have an, an, a league average coach running that team, I'm confident that you're going to be six or seven wins lower than what they ended at.
0: Um, But it's Ty Lue, Dan. And it's also, it's a group of prideful professional players. You know what I mean? That we're not going to be willing to give in, you know, like you were talking about Marcus Morris. I mean, Marcus Morris was like their first option for most of the season when, when Paul George was out and he, he handled himself well.
1: Yeah, so 52-and-a-half was tough. I kind of chicken-shitted around just like I did with the Warriors. I put it at an over. Uh, I wouldn't bet it. I put it at an no. over at 53, um, which I think, again, it, if this team was a 48-win team, a 50-win team, a 54-win team, like it's somewhere in that neighborhood. But to your point about being judicious with their resting, there's just not going to be a heavy motivation for them to go long stretches of the season where they play those guys a heavy minute load. Speaking specifically of PG and Kawhi, um, there's just it, the injury history is too fraught, and they're they're aging. They're at a point in their careers where they're they're kind of set it and forget it players. If they can play, you don't really need the minutes to get them in in you know, traditional basketball. They're shape. ready to go. Yeah, they're ready to go. So yeah, I had them slight over. Where do you have them at?
0: Uh, yeah, it, it, I think I had him at a slight under. But yeah. it, again, it's a it's a stay away. It's not reflective of. How I feel like their team will be when it's all said and done. Um, I think this is this is the one team that we've seen where um, they they can really do everything. Like they, we you know we talked about all those wings, but they also have the ability to play traditional with Zubots at at center. And you know I this this team. I mean I just cannot wait to see them come to Minnesota and play the Wolves. Um, I can't wait to see them all touch the floor together.
1: I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Um, now, transition, Dan, to a team that I can wait for. <laughs> I, I I don't want to watch this Lakers team, Dan.
1: No, I don't either. I was going to make the same joke. Um, so this Lakers team, uh, they are, you know, LeBron in his prime, uh, especially his years in Cleveland, but in Miami it was, it was very similar. You had your, your starters. And then you'd fill in the rest, uh, kind of on the fly. you mean, you just throw in bodies in the offseason, add some bet minimums, a couple young players that'll get some minutes. It was kind of a revolving door at a lot of spots um, on those teams. Well, they followed the same blueprint in LA, it is not working uh, the way that it did historically for LeBron and his other stops for obvious reasons. But this number is, so it's 45 and a half. And I started the podcast by talking about the depth and the quality of the teams in the Western conference. One of the reasons for the quality of the teams in the Western conference is continuity. A lot of these teams have won a lot of games with a lot of the same faces around. And that's coaches, that's players, that's stars. The Lakers are going into a season with another new coach in Darvin Ham. And I am not jealous. I'm not jealous of the job that he's going to have in front of him this season. Uh, When you look at, at their, and and I'm sure you did this when you were prepping, you pull up their depth chart and it's, it's kind of stunning when you look at it because it gives you the starting five and then you work, work your way back through the depth chart. And you just kind of forgot, honestly, because it's been happening over such a long period of time here in the off season. Like you kind of forgot about some of these guys, but they added Troy Brown, Juan Toscano, Anderson, Lonnie Walker, Pat Bev, Obviously Kendrick Nunn is coming back off injury and is still yet to take the floor in a Lakers uniform. Dennis Schroeder, they've
0: basically All and the Thomas ball. Bryant, Damian Jones.
1: Yeah, they basically outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis and Westbrook have have retooled the entire roster and are bringing in a new coach. I don't know how you can be optimistic going into the season to be totally honest. The league's too fucking
0: good for this. The league is too good. I think LeBron is pretty washed at this point. Um I think he can get up at certain moments, but on a night to night basis, he's, you know, he's not a top 10 player in the league to me at this point in his career. Davis, I don't know, man. I I kind of am under the belief that he's going to need to prove it to me that he's going to be able to come back from this. You and I have talked about this quite a bit, mostly off air, but. It happens way more often than people remember that, especially with big guys, they get into year 9, 10, 11 in the league. And for Davis, he's in year 10. And you deal with some injuries and you just don't come back, you know, and not to that level. And we obviously hope that that's not the case for Anthony Davis. But I think it's more possible than people are really even giving credit to. I mean, I think basically people just kind of assume that, He's, you know, he's just going to be back to what he was a couple of years ago when they won the title. And maybe, hopefully, you know, for this team to even want to be in the play-in mix, they'll definitely need that. Um, yeah, it's a mess, man. It, it's an absolute mess. It, it is what it, when, when people talk about, oh, you, you're mortgaging your future for the present, someday you're going to have to pay for that. That is this this roster is basically what what people mean when they say stuff like that is yep you know you were right they had the three guys in the max and no future picks really to speak of, and so you really only can bring guys in that are minimum free agents or like second rounders, and so that's that's your roster
1: yeah, and I think too it needs to be mentioned there's been still ongoing talk there was even I saw some tweets about it today how the Lakers are not going to give two future first round picks and a possible trade for Buddy Heald and, and, and uh, Miles Turner. And it, it is the reason I find that uh, laughable is it really shows the desperation. And again, it's teams are, teams get desperate for a lot of different reasons at a lot of different points. I mean, every team has been in a, in a, you know, a a desperation status at some point, the Lakers one is just getting to a, a real comical level because This is the kind of team where you could squint at it and you could go, okay, well, yeah, none of them have really played together. And so there's going to be, it's going to take a while for Darvin Ham to figure out his rotations and who needs minutes. It's going to take a while for the guys to gel on the floor. It's like, well, then that means you're barely fighting for a play in because I'm telling you right now, the Western conference is so good from, you know, basically like one through nine or 10. That good luck thinking you're going to have a 25 game trial period where you can just dig out of a hole with the types of teams you're going to be playing every night. Um, I mean, you're going
0: to get playing for their careers, man. The the rest of the roster outside of like the main guys.
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's the other motivation that I think is going to get really awkward is LeBron and Anthony Davis, and to a lesser extent Russell Westbrook, but similar. These are guys who have made their big money. They're late in their career. The only thing that matters to them is putting together a team that could hypothetically make a, make a run in the playoffs. Some of these guys, man, it's not to say that's not part of your motivation, but the bigger part of your motivation, if you're Kendrick Nunn or Juan Castano, Anderson, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, it's like, no, man, like I need to carve out a, some longevity in this league. I need to show that I'm a player that other teams would want in their rotation, or I may be having a hard time finding a fucking job. And so that's going to create some real awkwardness last, of this team. This is,
0: this is the last call Dan for for Schreuder, Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, Troy Brown and probably even Lonnie Walker. I think this is this is last call for them. And so I mean what that means is it's a it's you know that's that's a one way of saying that it's an opportunity for them to establish themselves as as real players, but you don't generally think of I don't, I don't know, when was the last time, can you even remember the last time you would say something like that about a team that had LeBron? I mean, it probably was like the 2008 Cavs, honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I think you're probably right. And, you know, I know you and I are probably going to hammer the under and rightfully so, but I want to make clear what my take on the Lakers is. A, I'm not excited to watch them. You were absolutely right when we started with this team. But the second thing is, I'm not saying this team – is completely incompetent and incapable of winning basketball games. What I'm saying is they are they are in a totally different landscape with where this league is at now. And they simply do not have enough. Like, they don't have enough to win against most of these teams. And that's really tough to swallow if you're somebody that follows this team or if you're a player on this team, because you're going to be overmatched most nights that you take the floor. Which, on, on a two-star-led team... I mean, even five, six years ago, we would have never said that.
0: No, and I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying it's a clown show. I'm not saying it's a circus, but I see the tent. You know what I'm saying? So yes. like, <laughs> it, it, like I, it, it, it looks bad, man. And like, they get kind of lumped in even with some of the, like the Nets frequently. And it's like, dude, it's not even close as nope. far as the talent level. Like this team, and yeah. LeBron and Davis—that's pretty big. That's that's a that's a pretty big, you know, uh, positive on the ledger. But outside of those two guys, it's it's as bad as San Antonio and Utah. Like it's 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 like a process level team. So, I mean, what what a journey for LeBron being in year nineteen? Because you're like, ah, shit. If anybody could do it, it's LeBron. But like, uh, Kenny, though at his age? I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. A true test. This is, you know, hey, he he really is desperately wants to, you know, be the goat. And doing doing something with this team would help his, his uh, argument, for sure.
1: I completely agree. It's 40, the number is 45 and a half. I, I would hammer this under. Easy, um, under. I have him at 40 even, which is purely out of respect for whatever LeBron has left in the gas tank. Truly. Because this team so, yes, should win... Yeah, this team should win 32 games. Like that's, But with LeBron and Davis, if on the floor and healthy, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they can squeak out a few more wins than I think the roster is, is traditionally capable of winning.
0: Like health, you know, on the court and healthy, it's like, yeah, I agree. And that, that's the only thing we can assume right now. But, like, I mean, if either of those guys plays more than 65 games this year, I would be like, wow, nice. Especially, yeah, I mean, obviously, Davis. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. This, that's no, a depressing team.
1: No, they have some true combustibility um, in the first half of this season. Um, in that first 40 games, it's not just, just going to tell you whether or not this team is competing for a playoff spot. There is a path to this team being so much worse than people would have considered.
0: Um, yeah, and then congratulations to the New Orleans Pelicans for having their draft pick, if that's the case. And MF Bill Simmons will be right, and I've been mocking him for the last couple of years about crying about the picks they gave up in that Davis trade, and you would be like, ah, maybe. I'll,
1: I'll be honest with you, man. It is, you know, you said the first check that you have to cash for selling your future is the roster they constructed. The second check will be cashed potentially the very next draft, um, and it'll start – kind of going from there because you're right. Like if this team ends up struggling to even, even get, you know, sniff the 40 win total, those picks are going to start to get really, really lucrative for new Orleans. Um, A team that we talked about last week and feel really good about Uh, two weeks ago. I'm sorry. Um, All right, let's move on. Let's uh, let's go from the Lakers to the Phoenix suns, Um, the Phoenix suns last season, uh, they ended with the best record in the league by a mile. They were a 64-win team last year. They were the one seed in the Western Conference by eight games over Memphis. They were a real juggernaut. And then they had the most, one of the most inexplicable breakdowns in the playoffs that I can remember seeing. That's the last visual we have of this team. Uh, they begrudgingly kept DeAndre Ayton, and you and I famously said before the season started, the fact that they didn't get that extension done was going to rear its ugly head at some point. Well, I didn't anticipate it looking the way that it did at the end of last year, I'll tell you that much. I also didn't anticipate them basically being forced into bringing DeAndre Ayton back um, just so they didn't lose an asset for nothing. A lot of of surprises out of Phoenix uh, at the end of last season. But with all that said, they are still bringing back almost the entirety of their core that has won them a shitload of games in the last couple of seasons. I'm curious, were you... Because this number, and again, Vegas knows what they're doing. They have it at 52.5 for a team that won 64 last year. I anticipate you don't have them winning 64 games again, which means there would technically be a regression from a win-loss perspective. Do you think there will be a regression in the way that they're not going to be quite the juggernaut in the regular season or the title contender that we expect? Is it just because they won't have the motivation, or do you think there's more cracks in the foundation than that?
0: Well, I I, I do not really think of them as a title contender. I do think that um, there, you know, some fatal flaws were potentially exposed in in that series against Luka, which is just simply that they don't have a guy on that level. And, uh, and as we just keep beating this horse over and over, like the league is so stacked that, you know, I short of having, you know, such an ensemble of guys that are kind of in that Devin Booker range it's just it's tough man Um, and then you know you you tack on what's going on organizationally which is like I'm not saying it's a tire fire but I just saw Robert Sarbert leave AutoZone. you know what I'm saying so it's like (laughs) it's I mean but obviously that has nothing to do with the teams and we've seen over and over that like players are actually pretty well insulated from, you know, uh, back of house drama. We saw that with the Timberwolves last year. Everybody nationally was like, oh my God, the wolves are falling apart. But like the players are like, this doesn't matter, you know? So um, anyway, that's a long winded way of me saying like, I don't think like what's really going on with the team is going to have too much of an impact on them. But that really was a, that was a brutal loss that they took. And You know, I don't know. The question is, like, does kind of just, like, normal regression and, you know, age for Chris Paul, is that greater than the development that they're going to see from, you know, because I think you should expect Aiton, Bridges, even Cam Johnson and Booker to be a little bit better. But the question is how much, you know, Uh, and I still think the number is pretty low. I, I I would probably reasonably bet this one on the over, but... It's it's tough, man, and it just it goes to show like that last jump to get from where they are to being a true championship team. You know, people remark on this all the time, but like that is that seems to clearly be the toughest leap to make.
1: Yeah, and I think you you hit on this really well. My my concern is Chris Paul injury uh, and natural regression due to age. Can you overcome that as he declines slightly? Or significantly, depending. It happens quick a lot of times. It was significantly in the playoffs. It was. It, is the progression and the development of some of your other players going to make up for and then supersede that regression from a guy that they've really counted on? I I like the Phoenix Suns a lot. I think the fact that things remained very stable with the roster, and obviously with their head coach, who was Coach of the Year last year, Monty Williams, I think that means you're going to just go into this season and you're going to be able to stack up quite a few regular season wins because they are a very good basketball team. What I wonder is, I agree with you, I do not have them as a title contender. And the thing that I wonder is, what do they think? And if they have the same feeling, what are they going to do about it? Because these windows do not stay open for very long. And you do not get to determine how long that window lasts and Devin Booker is obviously their star. They feel really good about Mikhail Bridges. They obviously have DeAndre Ayton back. Would they be a team that would try to package some assets together and bring in another big-name guy? I think they probably I mean, need to. Even
0: from... though, if, you're, if we're in like this weird ownership situation, you know what I mean? Like, can you even rock the boat that much if your team is potentially for sale?
1: And maybe that stifles them from making a move, which again, stifling means this team is going to be is obviously going to be a playoff team that wins a lot of games. So there's a lot worse that you could be, but I have, you know, the concerns that I have, Rick. And again, I, we mentioned at the beginning of last season and you can say what you will about how overblown the Deandre Ayton thing was and the friction between him and the team. I will say this, the way that this off season went, I mean, he's happy he got paid. I cannot imagine that things are going to be all that much better with him and this team To me, it's weird. To me, it's very strange. Uh, They clearly had reservations about DeAndre as a player, which is why they drug it out, which is why they didn't get him signed to the extension, and obviously didn't bring him back until basically the last minute. Um, And he's kind of uh, a—he has to be based on his based on his income. He has to be a key part of your core. He has to be. Yeah, I I mean, just by definition, he is.
0: Oh, absolutely. I just find that baffling, though, because. You know, they chose to draft him number one overall over Luka Doncic. You know, so it's like they made that commitment right away. He pretty much performed at – obviously, he performed well enough to get a max contract. You know what I mean? So you and I and, thought, yeah. you and I you know, thought he deserved and,
1: it before, yeah.
0: Yep, and with Chris Paul – it, I mean, you're right. It's I mean, if it's not this year, it's 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 next year. Like it's going to happen. DeAndre Ayton's going to need to be the second best player on the team. I, I don't know why you would do anything to try to jeopardize that. You know, and it really seems like they really went out of their way to 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 let them know this summer, like we'd be okay with you leaving. <laughs> you know, it yes. was one of those hilarious like mismanaged things too where in the end they just matched a contract that they could have just offered him anyway and saved themselves from all of the drama between the two parties. And so that was odd to see that, you know, like to have the outcome there, just be like, oh, we're matching right away. You just sit there and you're like, well, why didn't you just offer him the contract then?
1: Just fucking sign him, man. Just and again, that's that's part of the thing with this team. That again, I this is a team that I've seen play so much over the course of the last couple of seasons, and there is a little bit, just as a fan, a little bit of boredom, just because there's nothing there's nothing terribly new about what they're doing, and so I feel like I've seen most of what they're going to bring to the table. Um, a lot of other teams in the conference shifted dramatically, and there's a lot of development happening internally that I'm interested to watch. Um, One question I have for you. Can Mikhail Bridges legitimately, as Chris Paul declines, could you see a core, and again, what I'm asking is, a core that could potentially in the coming years be a title contender that contains Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton? That's your core.
0: It's hard to I mean, it's it's pretty hard to say no, because... (laughs) You know, they had the best record in the in the league last year, and then they were in the NBA Finals the year before. So, I mean, it really feels weird to say no here, but that would be my inclination. If you were to set an over-under at, like, .5 championships, I'd take the under. Um, but, you know, Booker is a guy that has continuously proved you and I wrong at every turn. Um, yes. Even this, this most recent leap, Last year, into being first team all NBA MVP candidate, it's really interesting that game seven man really must have put a hit on his reputation because you would have thought that after that type of season, we'd be coming into this year with him, you know, pretty solidly being like in basically the way people talk about like Jason Tatum, you know, um, it, it just hasn't been there. Um, but really, my skepticism about it is more about what we think the future of the league could be, and they just don't fit that blueprint. But then again, you know, who are we? You know, and that very well could not be the future of the league. And it very well could continue to run through a a team like them. The big question for me with them this season is do they attempt to add wrinkles during the year in an attempt to You know, strengthen their playoff chances once they actually get there, or do they just do what they do? uh, Do they just do what they do and um, and steamroll through the season again? In that way, they kind of remind me of the Utah Jazz uh, before they just broke up their their core, which is they kind of resisted trying to add things during the regular season. We will never know whether it would have been successful if they had, but. You know, I think this is the team right now, Dan, where their plan A was so good last year that we just didn't need to see their plan B and C that much, although we know you need that for the playoffs. It's gonna be interesting to see if they experiment and try to find new stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree. I the Utah comparison, there's a ton of reasons why that is spot on. Um, the Donovan Mitchell Devin Booker uh, comparison is pretty natural. Uh, Aiton and Gobert. There, I think this is a team that, you know, and I am just going to plant my flag on it before the season starts. I don't believe they're a title contender, and I don't believe that the core that I mentioned, unless Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Aiton makes a significant leap forward as a player, uh, I don't think that's a core that wins a title. Um, I think it's probably not even a core that gets you to a finals. Um, and that's weird to say of a team that was in the finals two years ago, but that's what I believe in this currently going into 2022, 2023. I don't believe that that's, that's going to work outside of making you a very competent and high level regular season team that can maybe win a series in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think Monty Williams has definitely proved himself to be an elite coach in the league and somebody that connects really well with the players and he's going to need every, every trick in his bag uh to deal with I mean he's got a lot on his plate man Sarver situation game 7 humiliating loss this eight and contract thing chris paul you know now we're year 3 of chris paul which is usually where stuff starts to get a little annoying for the teammates with him so they, he's got a lot on his plate
1: yeah. So the number was 52 and a half. Um, I have the over at 54. Um, but honestly, even though I have it barely cleared at that number, I would, I would bet this number. I'd be very surprised if they didn't clear this with ease.
0: No, I would also take the over on this one. I just saw, I mean, I just watched them run through teams last season, being another Pacific division late night team for me to watch. And, uh, You know, that leaves an impression. (laughs) And yeah, losing by 50 in a a game seven, but, you know, this is a regular season pod, and, and they were rock, rock, rock solid last year.
1: Yeah, and they just had the ability, even in close games that you and I watched together, they would pull away in kind of a devastating way. They had a gear that they would go to. They would lock you down for six straight minutes and make life hell, and then they would go on a run offensively based a lot on transition points that they created off their good defense, and they would pull away. It was a tie game, and six minutes later, they're up by 14, and it feels like it's just over. Um, so yeah, they're they're just a they're a great regular season team. All right, we needed room for this last team. We need to talk about the Sacramento Kings. Clear out! Yeah, clear out, let us cook here. Uh, the Kings number is 32 and a half, just disrespectful number coming out of Vegas. Uh, uh, so the Kings... I I mean, how is this team not just going to be fascinating to watch? This team is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is the De'Aaron Fox-DeMontis-Sabonis combo for their first full season and their first full off season together as teammates. Uh, this is Kevin Herter bombing threes on the wing. This is Keegan Murray, who I didn't love to pick at the time of the draft, if anybody listened to that. But I will say I do kind of like him on this particular roster um and he's gonna get some good opportunities. Harrison Barnes obviously stable at the three spot for them. That doesn't change. Uh but just a lot as you go through their back end guys, there's still a ton of guys that I think are just it regardless of output, just like interesting because they're gonna get you know they're gonna get minutes. And so they added Malik Monk to be kind of a six-man spark plug off their bench. Davian Mitchell is obviously still on this team um and has shown flashes. Uh, Terrence Davis, Trey Lyles, Rashawn Holmes is still on this roster. Uh, Casey Akpala was added. He's the guy we've, we've talked about on the tough watch before. Um, where are you at with this Kings team, Rick? Do you like what they're doing? Do you feel, no. do you got some <laughs> positive vibes for this team or no?
0: Uh, no, no, because like, you know, the principles involved are still, still the same, uh, but you have to, you know, you just list off the roster. You have to feel more optimism than 32 and a half, especially because they really truly are all in on trying to win. Um, this team, Dan, you're going over those names. This team is the team that reminds me the most of the early 2010s, Kevin Love, Timberwolves teams, where you and I a lot would of look at them. A lot of similarities. We'd look at them and be like, do they have too much talent? <laughs> like, how are they even going to be able to get all these guys on the court? Um, but uh it, the the question for them, and it's been the question for them, you know, going on, you know, two decades now, but really in this, this most recent era, is how are they going to defend at all? And last year, they were 27th. The year before that, they were dead last. Um the season before that they were somehow 20th, which is a miracle. Um, and then, you know, the big decision they ultimately made with their personnel was to add an offense only center. And Sabonis, you know, I actually was listening to, uh, James Hamm talk to Nate Duncan on the dunk Don pod. about the team He was talking about, you know, Sabonis is actually like, you know, a reasonably good positional defender and he's physical, but he, he doesn't defend the rim. Um, which is – it's just a huge problem with the rest of the personnel that they have on their team. Uh, Fox has been horrible defensively his whole career. Barnes is solid, but he's not he's not Herb Jones. Like, he's not, like, the type of guy that you just, like, sick on somebody. Uh, no, you they don't. do have that type of guy in Davion Mitchell, but he's a six-foot flat guard, so it's like how good – you know, how much does that really help? Um, and then Keegan Murray was somebody that is was not known to be – you know, like projected to be a, a good defender in the NBA. And so it's a team with really bad defensive personnel. Um, you know, sure, they've got some offensive talent. When Fox and Sabonis shared the court last year, uh, I know they had a really elite uh, offensive rating when that happened. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors that happen post-trade deadline. There's a lot of teams that don't try. I don't really trust stats from late in the season. It's the formula for them is going to be, Somehow, it's basically, they're going into the year, Dan, in a very similar position that the Wolves were in last year going into the season, which was, this team has absolutely zero track record of defending, the players on this team have no track record of defending, and but some way, somehow, we need to turn this team into a competent defensive team. And I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it firsthand with the Wolves last year, but it... You can't say it's impossible, but it, it is improbable with this group.
1: Well, so let's talk on that. Um, the the Wolves played. Criticized, rightfully so. But did lead to some weird results at times. Um, Chris Finch, you and I have spoken poetically about Chris Finch a lot. We believe him to be uh, a pretty elite NBA coach. And more importantly, wildly creative. Sacramento Kings are about to be led by Mike Brown. Mike Brown is a steady hand and Sacramento desperately was searching for that in a coaching candidate. Would not have argued in any stop that he's had thus far overly creative as a coach. Um, And Sacramento will need that desperately if they're going to try and figure out a way to make this group competent defensively, to your point. The reason I'm fascinated by the Kings is this team, and again, Sabonis was a late addition and I know they won a lot of games post-trade deadline, but we're trying to bet an over-under that element, that post-trade deadline element, exists every fucking season. So it's not like it's gonna oh. be any different this year. They are they won thirty games last year. Yeah. There's just a no. Too. It was it was a fucking train wreck, and they won thirty games. So the fact that thirty-two and a half is the number, like they could just roll the ball out and do nothing and backdoor their way into thirty-three or thirty-four wins. In my opinion, I
0: agree. I agree. Um,
1: and so this is—it's a suspiciously low number. And my optimism for the Kings—it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but in another way, it is not because the Kings are are delightfully bad. Um, as yeah. as two guys that ran a podcast called The Tough Watch, obviously we talked about the Sacramento Kings at length. Some of those teams fucking sucked to watch. Like there were teams yeah. that by the truly. You know, Yes. You know, like last year's Portland team towards the end of the season. (laughs) Yeah. We would just like fucking hate it. We would watch it and be like, this is hardly basketball. But when we'd have the Kings on the podcast, we'd be like, well, this is at least going to be, you know, fun and entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys that it's like, I kind of want to, I don't know. I kind of want to see that dude on the floor. I want to see what he looks like. I want to, you know, and so that's kind of what I see with this team is Keegan Murray found himself on, and and it could be the worst thing for his career uh, developmentally, ending up uh, on this Kings team. But at the same token, you mentioned it, he's not known for being a defensive player, but he went to a team that, I mean, no bullshit, he is their third best offensive option, which means on any NBA team, you're going to get plenty of opportunity to score the rock. So if Keegan Murray turns himself into a pretty talented scorer, I mean, he probably found the right home to develop at least that skill as a young player, and you know, honestly, man, they, they did what the Kings always do. Like they, they brought in guys, guys you know. Kevin Herter, that's a guy you know, Malik Monk, you know him. Um but you yeah. just don't you don't fucking know quite why. You know, you're like, okay, I mean, you know, okay sure. I mean, he's on the market and he's a decent player. I, I don't know why you did it. Um, but that's been their MO for a decade now. This is how they spend their off season, is they get a guy that you know, you have no idea what the plan or the goal was. They said, "Fuck it, I'm bringing him in." Like he he allegedly will sign a contract with Sacramento.
0: That yeah. means he's about to be a king. Okay, interesting. Dan, about their long playoff drought and just their desperation to get into the the playoffs is they keep building the exact type of team that can't. And yes. it's not that's not here, here, Here's what I'm gonna say about that is I'm not talking about a championship contender. The way to build the championship contender is obviously to have multiple elite players on the team. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just a team that can make the playoffs and what type of team can overperform their talent level and win more regular season games than their talent really dictates. They should. It's a defensive first team (laughs) and they just never build that team. You know, we were just talking about it with, uh, with the Clippers, like, you know there was a team they were, they had the the eighth best record in the west they didn't end up making the actual playoffs in the play in but like they just had veteran guys that just played solid ball and it, it and the reason I'm not even saying like it would be smart to just like abandon any pursuit of anything greater and just sign you know a bunch of defenders but having said that like if if your whole thing is just like we need to end this playoff drought why are you making the moves you're making it just doesn't make any sense
1: no and it's it's the sign of and again i don't want to put too much of the blame you know exclusively on the front office who knows how much you know vivek has to do with the decisions that they make yeah we we don't we don't know the inner workings of the kings organization but what i will say is if you bring in in an off season Kevin Herder and Malik Monk on top of an in-season trade for DeMontis Sabonis. You're absolutely right. Like you are clearly stating like we want to win now. That is so off. That that does that misses the mark so aggressively that you feel bad for the people whose heads roll when this shit inevitably doesn't work. Like that that's why You know, when they hired Mike Brown, you and I both said, you know, like, honestly, given given how much of a shit show it's been in Sacramento, like it's probably best to just bring in a guy who will be able to kind of be a good mentor for the players and be steady and stable. And a guy who's at least been been around the league and has had a head coaching job. But I mean, I can't say I don't feel bad for Mike Brown, because inevitably, when this team doesn't perform to the level that Vivek believes they should, he will get fucking fired at some point. You know, it, it certainly won't be in his first season as head coach, but the guy won't have a long leash. Um, and again, the Keegan Murray draft pick—that's why you and I joked about it the day of the draft—is it was like, sure, I, I guess, but for fucking what? Like, I mean, your owner has stated publicly he wants to win now. W- well, then what? What does that mean? What does the Keegan Murray draft pick mean for that goal? You know, it just—I don't know. None of it. None of it has any coherence to it whatsoever
0: because they have this urgency that their roster doesn't demand and they they could have very easily done a quick pivot to being like okc basically and that's a team that everybody is like yeah it's bad now but like they they got something working here with fox being the guy that they currently have on the max like sga and building around halliburton Keegan Murray and hey, we're gonna be bad again. So let's let's dip our toes in the Wembiniana sweep uh, uh, sweepstakes. Um, but they didn't. The urgency is just like these players, and we know this from the Timberwolves. And that you know, obviously, the Wolves got clowned a lot last year for the way that Pat Bev and them were celebrating winning the play-in. I guarantee that's what it's gonna look like if Sacramento does because they're carrying the same type of weight that the Timberwolves were, which is like you have all these players and coaches that have nothing to do with this baggage and this history but they inherit it when they put on that jersey and so yeah i mean they could have easily quick pivoted to just being like a rebuilding team with a reasonably good future i mean you you even just like moderately hit on picks like they had and you're 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 well on your way um it's really you just can't and this is what they've done blow opportunities at high high draft picks over and over Uh, but they've clearly decided like we're done playing that game and we need to try to go all in on this Sabonis Fox pairing which I mean man you got to feel for everybody involved because it's just like dude I like both of those guys and obviously like I really liked Fox at the beginning of his career and I really hope that he finds it again because he really seems like he just like lost all of his joy for playing basketball, you know, like, who are you? Like who actually could possibly think that that is like the, the type of duo that's going to really get you somewhere in the type of NBA where we were just saying LeBron and Anthony Davis as a duo, their team's going to suck. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just, dude, it's just not enough on the top end talent.
1: To no. And, and unfortunately, you know, I was going to make the same Lakers comparison too. It's the poor man's version of what we talked about, with the Lakers, a homeless man's really, but it's, it's also tricky because you could see a situation where let's say Keegan Murray is a much better first year player than you and I anticipate.
0: Right. I actually think, I, I think he's a candidate to, to go for 20 a game in a question's efficiency with rookies. But I mean, he obviously was so efficient last year at Iowa and looked damn good in summer league that you kind of have to feel like he's the most ready-made guy.
1: Yeah. My, my concern with this team, given their desperation to win anything, even a play in or, or get into a playoff series is I wonder if this season they win 34 games and Keegan Murray averages 20 a game. And they go into the off season, and they go, well, really our only meaningful trade chip for, you know, B-level star player oh. is Keegan Murray, because that's oh. the only piece that people will want. So we'll put that in there. We'll throw the Barnes money in there yeah. and we'll just we'll make a deal happen. And it, it worries. It honestly worries me if he's not if he's not great and he has what most rookies have, which is not an underwhelming season, but just a rookie season, um, then obviously he may not not be a, you know, a real trade chip, but I could see them just being like, well, I mean, Jesus, man, like if we put this B-level star with Sabonis and Fox, like we really got something that's like, fuck well, no, man. B's.
0: I mean, you add up three Bs and hey, <laughs> you add up yeah. three Bs and you get one whole dollar. Oh. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's so, yeah, I have a lot of concern about what, what the Sacramento season will look like um, and what that would mean going forward. I, I Obviously, I don't believe they have a steady hand on the wheel there. Um, so what did you have the number at? We both said over 32 and a half. what did you have it at?
0: We've been destroying the things and then we're both going to be like over. Wow. Um, yeah. I had them at 36, which is three and a half over, but I, it is a, it to me it's the over and it's a hammer on the over, which is I'm just now saying this and I'm remembering what I said about the Sixers last year and I'm, or sorry, last uh, episode. And I'm thinking to myself like, what. I, I've learned nothing as a human being. I just, I'm incapable <laughs> of growth.
1: Yeah. I have met 35. So I'm right in the neighborhood as well. And I would also hammer the over. I, if they, if they somehow stumble to, to an under and it's not predicated on injury, watch out any Sacramento Kings fans that find their way to this podcast. I will tell you, watch the fuck out. If they do not, hit <laughs> this over.
0: Bro. I swear. And I actually think, you know, I think Mike Brown actually does understand cuz this is the the wildest shit is like it it it's not even that you have to even really understand the game of basketball to understand that like they were never going to defend well enough to do anything in the last couple of years. It they had a head coach that just seemed like it just didn't matter to him. It did um not. it which is just like I just I don't I can't, I can't get that. I, I just don't understand that at all. And I, I, you hear some, some talk coming out of Mike Brown that, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to defend. And I, I, I appreciate that frankly, because like, that was some of the talk last year from the, the Wolves organization. And we were just, were like, not believing it where they were like, we have to find a way. You know, they weren't like, you know, because they don't do this. They don't talk about X's and O's in the media like that. But they were just like, we're going to have to find a way because what we were doing before is not working. And so, yeah, it's just, it's it's tough, man. And I just, you know, but if they, this is the thing, though, that's their upside. This is what the Wolves discovered last year is if they do that, and it's, it's a huge if, but if they do that, the spoils will be there for them because – That's what happens when you are a professional well-run outfit that can defend is you tend to win some games.
1: Yes. And honestly, like you said, it's, it's a narrow path, but there is a path. Uh, I will say this too. I said it about the Lakers and I'll say it about this team too, um, which sounds disparaging uh, to the Lakers, but they're going to be overmatched a lot, a lot. Um, And that's going to be hard because some nights, I mean, and you and I have watched this for years being Timberwolves fans. Like, some nights you take the floor and you go, it'll take, you know, practically an act of God, you know, for us to be able to win this basketball game just because you're so outmatched in certain games. And I think about this team, you know, stepping on the floor and playing Phoenix and playing
0: the The Timberwolves. Yeah. How on earth. (laughs) <laughs> Could they guard Cat and Rudy Gobert at the same time?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, honestly, it, you're right. That one is particularly awful just based on those positions specifically. But, like, you go down the list, you're like, how are they competently defending the Clippers or the Pelicans or the Nuggets or the Mavs or the Suns? And you just keep the Warriors, the grit. It's just like you keep going and you're like, All right, well, even if you can get better, and it all starts with effort. Even if you can get better effort, sometimes, man, you're just not going to have the dudes.
0: That's the thing is, people do talk about sometimes the NBA. Obviously, to say the least, yes, you need to have effort. But, like, this ain't, you know, college basketball. It is There, There is more than just trying hard on defense in the NBA. It's fucking hard, man.
1: You need the dudes. You need the dudes. And they just aren't going to have enough dudes you know, a lot of nights, a lot of nights. So, um, all right, well, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to be back this upcoming weekend. We got two divisions left. We're going to take the central, uh, in the Eastern conference, uh, following our pattern of bouncing between conferences. So we'll do the central over the weekend and that will, Leave us with one pod left uh, in this series, which will be the Northwest. And for obvious reasons, this is the Wolves Watch. So we're going to do the Northwest and cover the Wolves uh, next week, probably Wednesday, Thursday. So two more pods in the series coming. Appreciate everybody that listened. Uh, And we will be uh, releasing this for all of you that didn't have a chance to listen live. Any last thoughts, Rick?
0: No, I mean, hopefully next week, you know, something as newsworthy as like LeBron just abruptly retires and we're like, yeah, we're not talking about it talking about the Central Division. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> no, it was... Uh, and, you know, I will uh, give you a brief update. The uh, Celtics did officially announce uh, the suspension, season-long suspension of Ime Yidoka, Uh and Ime Udoka put out kind of a nothing statement
0: apologizing.
1: So that's, yeah, that's the update. It's
0: not like we're firing you. We're just saying you just cannot come here. Uh, you can't talk to anybody. Uh, you can't be in the office. But you're not fired.
1: Not fired. Not today. Not on the twenty second of September. We will have our attorneys talk to yours. So <laughs> But all right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk here in a few days.
0: All right,